Thank you, and thank you for inviting us, and it's lovely to be part of this audience. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I do and some of my colleagues do around AI in finance. And when I do this with my MBA students, I always begin by asking them, what is finance about in one word? And I ask them, what do you think finance is about if you had to describe it in one word? And everyone who has not worked in finance says it's about money. <laughs> But everyone who is working or has worked in finance says something else. Yes? Can you guess what that is? Risk. Risk. Finance is about risk. The everyday life of finance practitioners uh, is, is really all about risk. It's about measuring risk, about quantifying the risk, and then about pricing the risk. For example, if I ask the bank for a loan, the bank then uses whatever information they have about me and they come up with a, a probability or a number that discover the likelihood that I will pay back. And then, based on that number, they can attach some kind of a, a decision, whether to give me a loan or not, or in some cases also a, a rate that goes with that loan, as well, depending on regulation and time and place. And, and, and they can do that because, of course, I'm one person and I will pay yes or no, but if there's lots and lots of people like me, that individual risk translates to some kind of distribution and it's like a casino. They can come up with a, a pricing that will compensate them for the risk that they take. So this is really what, what happened in finance, in most aspects of finance, something like what I described. But this is really where technology and AI can uh, have a big impact because the bank in this case, is trying to estimate the likelihood that I will pay back. So the bank doesn't know as much as I do, so if they could go inside my head, <laughs> they will have a better idea of likelihood that I will pay back. But if they can go into this, they will have a much better idea if I will pay back, because this knows better than me the likelihood that I will pay back any loan. Okay? I know it sounds <laughs> I don't know if you're excited by that or scared by this, <laughs> but this is this is this is what we've seen. And if you remember the everybody remember the uh, scandal with Facebook and the uh, the election, but it came from a project that started by Facebook, although they don't like to talk about it, called My Personality. It started as a Facebook project with the Cambridge people before they uh, spun it off, where they looked at the correlation between Facebook likes, which at that time was a public publicly available information and what we call personality is measured by the big five and this is a standard way of measuring personality and if you remember the result they found that if you have enough likes then the algorithm can predict your personality better than your best friends in fact they came up with this number which I think was 200 but I'm not sure that with 200 likes the algorithm can predict with more accuracy than your partner think about your personality the person who lives with you they can predict better. So clearly the information is, is phenomenal. And, and this is both, really we can stop here because you can see both the, the opportunity and the challenges uh, uh, around algorithm making uh, decisions for us and using the technology. Now, th this uh, using technology, using information via the internet and, and other devices is, is not new. It's new in finance, but it's been used in other areas. So, for example, in the um, travel industry, um, you know, until eight, eight years ago, something like that, if you traveled somewhere, you know, you could have a bad hotel, you could have a good hotel, there was lots of variability. There is still variability, but a lot less. 
Yes, it's very unlikely that you'll go to a place and it will be completely, completely horrible because of TripAdvisor because people share the information and the places know that so they know that nobody will come if they get really really bad trips so, so a big big reviews on TripAdvisor so that that sort of is a way of aggregating information and reducing risk and maybe even a better example of that is with the insurance industry and so if you are young drivers or if you have children who are young drivers you're all familiar with this thing called insure or insure, insure the box or the box there's different names for it but it's essentially a device that you put in the car and it transmits uh, live information about the driver all the time. So if you think of the example I started with, with the loan, it's, it's pretty clear that this is a way of reducing their symmetry. So you're saying, I really don't know, I'm the insurance company, I think young people are, you know, statistically are bad drivers. So, you know, I have to give you a really, really bad rate to compensate for the fact that I don't know anything about you and you are young. Uh, but you can say, look, let me convince you that I'm a good driver and this is a credible way for me to use technology and transmit the information live all the time in a way to do that and there's if you know if you're familiar with fintech you know there's lots of apps like that that help people build credit history and so on in, in much the same way as what I just described to you now so this is uh, a lot of the new stuff is known as fintech or financial technology and it's relatively new the reason it's new is because until so sort of 2011-12, the regulator stopped any kind of use of technology in finance for, because the regulator view was we're here to protect the public and anything that involves people lending money to each other or doing all kind of risky stuff is bad and therefore we would say no. And that has changed after the financial crisis and after the government have instructed the FCA, the financial, it used to be the FSA, the regulators, to work with the startups and help them come up with all these new things. And so we have this explosion of all these new digital banks and all these kind of applications that uh, you may have heard of that are exactly using that, using technology in finance and coming up with all kind of new things. And let me give you a couple of examples. So, the much-loved company Wonga, have you heard of them? <laughs> so Wonga, they're no longer in business, but the idea was to give loans, for what they now call payday loans, so to give very short, uh, a, a, a small amount of money for a short amount of time for people charging quite high rates uh, for that. Um, and the idea is these are people who wouldn't be, could, couldn't, don't, don't have credit cards, don't have any other ways of lending money, and the banks wouldn't touch them. And so it is offering them something that they would use but the key to that was the use of technology because they need the money typically now and the decision has to be made very very quickly normally on the smartphone using the information they have another example a bit more big scale but similar is funding circle which is a company that started by two of our undergraduates from the business school from Keeble College and is now a publicly traded company so you may have seen their adverts on television they're quite big but funding circle is a peer-to-peer -peer lending so we take money from us, the public, and we lend it to small, medium enterprise businesses, yes, small shops, small businesses that are started. <coughs> and again, you have this idea that um, there is a gap in the market because the banks after the financial crisis have stopped lending to mm -hmm. these people. They need money. Mm -hmm. Some of them will, you know, are, are not bad companies. <laughs> yes. And the public, on the other hand, is getting kind of close to zero interest rates on their accounts. So why wouldn't the public lend to these? and can kind of share some of the rewards from that. And so uh, they use, uh, and they've created a very, very successful base business based on that. There's many more like them, but hopefully you've heard of uh, either of them. Now, um, 
Both of them, as I said, are offering a service in a place where we, there is a gap, so they're offering something that didn't exist before. That's a good thing. Both sides are happy, roughly speaking, with that. But both sides rely heavily on algorithms to make decisions. So in Wonga, it's, it's, you can't have a person. It's not worth your while having a person for making a decision over a loan of 10 pounds. Uh, but with funding circle, even though it's much bigger sums, it's still highly dependent on the algorithms. And with funding circle, and again, as an example, there's algorithms in two sides of the market. So when the company, when a small, medium company, uh, an SME, is asking for a loan, it is the algorithm that essentially makes the decision whether to give it a loan or not. Okay? There's nothing particularly sophisticated about this algorithm, although I haven't seen it, but it's using the same information as the bank would use and so on to make the decision. But also on the other side, on the public side, we can't invest the money directly in the businesses that we like. What happens is they take our money and they split it between a minimum of 100 companies. Okay, So if you put 1,000 pounds, it goes to a minimum of 100 different companies. And the idea is that you get diversification. And if one or two or even five of them fail, you will still get decent returns for, uh, for, for your buck. So it all makes sense. <laughs> But you can immediately see that this is different kind of finance, where all the decisions are made by the algorithms. So it's algorithms in AI finance is, I guess, very similar to what you guys call, you guys call AI. And, um, and you know, it's got big advantages, obviously, because it allows us to do things we couldn't do before. And as I said, both sides are happy with it. But it also mm -hmm. comes up, like you guys described in healthcare, with lots of challenges. And the challenges in this case is how are we making sure that the algorithms do what they're supposed to do? And it's not because the algorithms are bad. <laughs> it's because we don't really have control over that black box. And so that creates all kinds of issues for the regulators that they weren't really familiar with before and how to deal with that. So for example, and I'm not suggesting any of these companies are doing that, but you can see that there is pressure on them to match the demand and supply. So that there is a two-sided market. Yes, so you have to give loans and you have to have money invested in these loans from the public. And what happens if there is more people signing up to lend money than businesses uh, asking for money? So you know, does that create pressure on them to maybe slightly change the button of the algorithm and say yes to more loans? Yeah, it, this is the kind of things that you you really need to think about and. Um, and the case of Wonga, I can say, because that's public information, that's exactly what happened. And the regulator for that got very, very, very upset with them because they felt that the <laughs> buttons were changed and they weren't uh, you know, uh, uh, fully informed. Th there's no suggestion of that with Funding Circle of any of the other companies, but uh, that's, uh, uh, it gives you a, a, a taste of, of what it's like. Now, there is one uh, part of finance where algorithm trade, sorry, there's one part of finance where AI and algorithms are not new, and this is algorithmic trading. And this is algorithmic trading, and this is what we do in the, uh, in the OMI, um, and also some of the colleagues, my colleagues in the business school, mm -hmm. look into that. Now, algorithmic trading, the reason that the, um, so it started in the 80s, so for example, uh, OMI, the M is man. And actually, the full name is Man AHL. And AHL is initials of three statisticians that came from uh, Cambridge. Apparently, there's a university there. And they, uh, and they uh, came up with one of the first black boxes that were, you know, that were used in, uh, to, to trade. And um, 
The reason the regulator didn't really worry about hedge funds is because hedge funds take money from very rich individuals and from very sophisticated investors, so they don't have to worry about it. And so we have a case study in AI, in algorithms, going from the 80s. And it's a really interesting one because with algorithmic trading, uh, there's been a lot of startups, a lot of funds, some of them super successful, like AHL, like Millennium, like some of the, the and Renaissance, some of the big ones, but some that have failed. And so we can learn from these things and see how and when algorithms are used properly and when they're used inappropriately. And let me, do I have two more minutes yeah. to finish on this? So, um, um, so, so in two minutes, I want to say that um, algorithmic trading, as I said, is from the 80s, but it's still growing and developing because there's new sources of data. Uh, for example, now there is satellite. You can buy that data of satellite images, and you can look at car parks of companies and estimate the demand from that. Or when the CEO of publicly traded companies speak to analysts, there is now lots of bots that translate that into numbers and deduce from that all kind of sentiment analysis and so on, and this optimism or pessimism, and then trade based on that. So all these things are in existence, and actually a couple of our, one, at least one colleague of, our, of us in the business school is working specifically on that. So, it cre so, so it's really dynamic, there's a lot, a lot going on, and um, as I said, there is a lot of um, examples to learn from, and uh, you know, let me just say, give you maybe in a couple of sentences how I think about it. And this, it sounds a bit like the matrix when there's good programs and bad programs. <laughs> but I think there are good algorithms and bad algorithms. And bad algorithms is like the guy who's now, I think he just, the Americans decided not to put him in prison. This guy from Hanslow who uh, did his flash crash, that traded, it used his algorithm trading to trade really, really quickly. And he basically moved the whole, uh, American stock market and he is now he was on trial I think they decided not to put him in prison for various reasons but uh, um, but that's clearly an algorithm that's used badly because it increases the risk uh, but good programs <laughs> good algorithms is when you use the information to reduce risk so for example you kind of trade lots and lots of different markets which would be very difficult for a person to do but in a way reduces the risk because you are placing bets in many, many more uh, different baskets than you would otherwise. And as I said, uh, this is a fascinating area and I'm looking forward to hearing from you at the end and also collaborating with other people around the university because I think it looks different but it's very, very similar <laughs> questions that we are facing. Thank, Thank you, you very much.